You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 30 with Kim Shaper. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. So you guys know that I never really pick favorite episodes or talk about that really, but this is one of my favorite episodes that I've done to date in the last six months that I've had the podcast, which I can't believe that it's been six months. Like where did the time go and where did 29 episodes go or 30 episodes? Um, I'm so grateful to Kim for coming on and for being such an open book. We actually have really similar stories. We're both eating disorder survivors that now are helping people with the same sort of struggles that we went through. And it's just so special to me. And you'll hear me kind of get chills in the episode. It's so special to me when somebody has kind of risen from the fire from what they have gone through and transformed that fuel into service. So I can't wait for you guys to hear the episode and we'll get to Kim in one second. Today is the public launch of Intuitive Cooking School. If you guys are listening to this podcast in the morning, it might not be announced yet, but I'm going to be putting the link in the show notes. So definitely find it there. We have wrapped up Prep Like a Pro, my five-day free cooking course, which was amazing. I was blown away by the response. And Intuitive Cooking School is going to be the next level cooking when it comes to preparing your meals really quickly, really fast, delicious, and also like being healthy at the same time. Because I hear hear from a lot of people who are frustrated with the amount of cooking that healthy food involves, which is true, but it doesn't have to be complicated. There's ways to be efficient. Trust me, I'm super lazy. So I need it to be quick. And this is kind of what I've learned in my own weight loss journey and going from somebody who felt like shit and kind of just ate whatever and thought that I was free in that sense. I thought that like, you know, this is awesome because I get to eat whatever I want. I get to drink whatever I want. I don't have to watch any portions, but like that actually didn't make me feel good. So it sounds appealing, but like, it's really not that fun when you actually do it. So that's why I wanted to create intuitive cooking school because there is ways or there are ways for us to love what we eat, love the way that we prepare our food and not feel like annoyed and resentful at it all the time. And that's what I'm going to be teaching in there. So if you have goals for weight loss, if you want to stop binging and dieting and going through that like 
super horrible, terrible cycle, this is the key to get off of that. Because as Kim and I talk about in the episode, the reason that people can stay like sustain or sustain, um, wow, we're jumble can sustain the way that they eat is because they love it. They enjoy it. They honor what flavors they love. And that's what intuitive cooking school is going to be teaching you. We're going to be going through six different weeks and lessons of cooking. There's going to be two videos per week, three lessons per week for six weeks. And it is a steal because I charge, uh, the price of intuitive cooking school for one cooking class. And you guys are getting like 10 of them. So it's like an 80% off deal or value that you are getting. And I just really want you to not think that cooking needs to be complicated because for a lot of us, we kind of need to do it. If we can't, let's say afford a private chef, which like most people can't or a meal delivery service. And like a lot of meal delivery services are just really not that good. And even the ingredient delivery services still require a lot of work. That's not what we're going to be doing into an intuitive cooking school. We're going to be doing really practical, simple, approachable meals. And I've had people tell me in prep like a pro that in their decades long struggle of losing weight, of trying to prepare food, they have never seen things so clearly than in Prep Like a Pro, which was, like I said, the free course. And Intuitive Cooking School is going to be going just way deeper. So I would love if you're going to be, a, if you could be a part of it. Uh, we're already halfway full, so there are limited spots. I want you to join it if you need to. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or to email me. Let me know if you have any questions, but again, I'm going to be putting the link in the show notes and I'm so excited to release something like this. It's the first time that I'm releasing an online cooking school. It's been in my brain for the past probably four years and I'm finally just putting it all out there, organizing all of the information and this is the cheapest it's ever going to be because I know I'll re-release it sometime in the fall and I'm either going to double or triple the price. So definitely want you to get in on it and I want you to just experience it and I want you to feel great and I want you to love what you eat. That's like what it's really, really about. Reach your goals, stay there forever, love the way you eat, never have to suffer again. So that's intuitive cooking school. Let's get into Kim. So Kim Shaper is rapidly excelling in the fitness industry as the go-to for females struggling with body confidence, weight management, fitness, and disordered eating. Kim's approach is about getting to the whys of our food addiction, body image struggles, and disordered eating habits, and helping her clients finally come to a place of peace with their body and nutrition outlook through the middle path mindset approach. Hashtag middle, middle path mindset. After years of her own eating disorder struggles, ranging from anorexia to bulimia, Kim has since turned her past struggles into helping women create a life worth living free of obsession and dieting and helping them achieve a body and mind that is healthy and forever maintainable. Love that. That's my own commentary. Kim has been featured in a handful of articles in Jezebel Magazine, Fox 5 Atlanta, AJC, Shape Magazine, Spark People, and more. Kim currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband, Ryan, and her fur baby, Stella who is a super cute golden doodle. That's also my commentary. So I hope you guys love and enjoy this episode. 
listen to the whole thing. We really get vulnerable and talk about so many different things. Feel free to reach out to Kim if you want to work with her or if you want to tell her that you enjoyed this episode. I know she would love to hear from you. So let's go ahead and listen. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Kim. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I have so much respect for you. So I really appreciate you getting me on here. Oh my gosh, likewise. So (laughs) Kim and I met because we are both in Jill Coleman's mastermind together. And you've been such an inspiration to me so far for like business. And you have such an amazing story. I even before I got in the mastermind, I had been following you because Jill mentions you sometimes like in her stories and stuff. Um, And I saw that picture of you that we'll put um, in the social post of like the three of you when you were anorexic and then obese. And I was like, this woman has an amazing story. And then I heard you talk about it and you speak so confidently and open, open about it. And I am a big believer in rising from struggle. I know that like, Mm -hmm. if I wouldn't have had the struggles that I've had in my life, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us your story and how that got to lead you to where you are today? I know that's a big question, but yeah, take it away. Yeah, sure. And thank you so much for that. Um, And, you know, one thing I really love about you too, Ashley, is that I feel like I can, even though, you know, we've met a few times, the fact of when I first met you, I instantly felt a connection just because I'm, I'm fully about those women and those people in general. I feel that connection with when they do, they go through their own struggles and they're kind of able to come out the other side and it's messy and it's ugly and it's uncomfortable and it's hard. But then those are the people that have so much resilience. And those are the Mm -hmm. ones I find that are truly authentic and vulnerable and you're one of those people. So, um, I just have such a a great amount of respect and connection with you. So thank you. um, Likewise. Yeah. So, so thanks for the intro. So sure. I'll give you a little bit of a a backstory. So, um, basically I, in high school, I was, um, you know, didn't have any weight issues. I was very involved in sports. And, um, so I'm just basically starting with high school because prior to that I was really fine. I mean, I, I definitely go back and I reflect now and there's definitely bouts of depression and anxiety. And, um, I actually come from a history of sexual abuse at a young age. So Mm -hmm. I never really tapped into that until later in my life. I realized I was like, yeah, there's some things going on there. Um, however, in high school, again, uh, I was just very active in the cross country team played, um, soccer and I ran track and, and all those sort of things. So food was never really, an issue for me. I kind of just ate whatever and I didn't think about it. And, um, I was at a very healthy weight, completely normal. Um, I went off to run, uh, on a cross country scholarship at a small liberal arts school in North Carolina, my first year and fine, no problem there. Um, you know, and they, they talk about the whole freshman 15 and, you know, gaining a little bit of weight and stuff, your first year of college and, the, the latter part of that year, I definitely did gain some weight and, you know, I wasn't that worried about it. Um, however, I came home for the summer and my clothes just weren't fitting right. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do something different. And all I knew was, uh, running and, you know, sports. I never really lifted any weights. Um, I would lift, you know, a few weights here and there, nothing crazy. And, um, so I went to a trainer for the first time, first time ever really getting into strength training. And, uh, you know, to this day, I know who this person is. There's, there is still some resentment there. Um, just because 
I really feel like after I met him and went through what I went through with him, it was one of those things that, oh my gosh, I'm doing, I've got to do what he does and do it the exact opposite way. So make a long story short, I trained with him my, uh, my, my freshman year, just coming out of uh, my freshman year in the summertime. And, uh, he put me on a super rigid diet, you know, again, just very high protein. Um, it literally was five foods, uh, that I could have. Mm. And so he would allow me to have a cheat meal here and there, but you know, you and I both know when you're so limited with your food sources and you live in that scarcity mindset of only having these certain foods, of course, you're going to have triggers. Of course, you're going to want food. And of course, there's going to be, uh, you know, a binge on the other side if you're restricting to that magnitude. So I often found myself binging on food. And just because there's really no self-awareness and I haven't experienced this before, I just thought, okay, well, I guess this is what it looks like. And so I would often binge on, um, you know, whole pieces pizzas and desserts and so forth. And I would go in that Monday to train with him and he would look at me up and down and he'd say, you've gained weight, you've got fat, you know, so just very demeaning. And, um, and I really took that to heart just because I think I was in a vulnerable place to begin with. So uh, let's fast forward the end of the summer of my my freshman year. I went to another school. So I went to University of Alabama. It's a, a larger school, um, a, a bit more pressure. I did the sorority thing, and I had a boyfriend. And <clears throat> um, now looking back, my my food stuff went hand in hand with abusive relationships. So mm. um, I'll get to that in one second. But I went off to college for my second year. And I took that diet with me. So uh, and and I completely just became super obsessive. So anytime there's any stress in my life, whether that be from my my boyfriend at the time or school or social situations, um, I, you know, would literally diet down super hardcore. And that was my main source of confidence. And so you know, you, you get it, you know, you get praise and people are like, Oh my gosh, you look so good. How are you able to look like that in college and blah, blah, blah. And excuse me. So I was getting constant validation from my boyfriend at the time that, yeah, you look great. You need to be super, you know, rigid. And, you know, I, I only want to date you if you're below 10% body fat. And so Mm. there's so much pressure around that. And so over time, um, I literally just became more and more obsessed and I was living off, you know, crystal light packets and, um, iceberg lettuce. And so my parents came down the middle of sophomore year And I believe one of my sorority sisters actually had called my parents because she was worried and I had lost quite a bit of weight. And they saw me and they're like, we are pulling you out of school. This is crazy. And, you know, I'm not really a fan of talking about numbers, but, you know, throughout high school and I was usually around like 130 just because I tend to carry a bit more muscle. Mm -hmm. And by this point, I was about 95 pounds. So it was a pretty big difference at that time. So my parents pulled me out. They put me in therapy. Um, that was my first time going into a treatment center. Went into the treatment center. Uh, you know, I got back out, and I literally gave my parents the middle finger. I'm like, okay, you want me to, you know, gain weight? Well, I'm going to show you. So then I ended up losing more weight, and that's when I got down to about 75 pounds. And, <clears throat> um, you know, my parents were worried sick. They didn't understand. And of course, now looking back, it was a whole control mechanism. I think uh, deep down, I had anger towards my parents, I think probably for putting me in the situation with the the sexual abuse. And then I also think um, just because I, I had so much anger within myself, just where I was, and that was my control mechanism. And so, you know, you know, when you are starving, that's all you think about is food. 
and everything else goes out the door and you really don't think about it. So that was my life. And um, between my sophomore year and college, after getting pulled out of school, I had, again, starved myself a ton. And then I ended up going back into treatment again for the second time. The problem with with treatment centers is especially if you have uh, if you have insurance, they look at you as just a number. So if you regain the weight, they're like, okay, you can get out now. You know, you're fine. And so Mm. the problem with that is when you go into treatment centers for eating disorders, the the insurance company is like, okay, well, since now you've gained the weight, you're fine. You can be released. Well, the problem is, is you get to a quote unquote healthy weight, yet your mindset is still way back where it was. So there's a complete disconnect. And so that's why I feel so many times women relapse and men time and time again, because they're not really learned the proper coping tools. Mm -hmm. um, And they don't realize that the eating was a coping tool. So that's why there's a ton of relapse. And unfortunately, a lot of the really good programs are uh, are private. And so they tend to be very costly and very expensive. And it's really sad because um, usually the typical amount of time someone stays in treatment for eating disorders is anywhere from two to four weeks with uh, insurance, but they, they suggest at least three months. So I was fortunate. My parents that I, I was in and out of treatment throughout my twenties, eight times. And, um, it was just uh, very up and down, total roller coaster. Uh, I, I traded my eating disorder for for alcohol and drugs, and then I was um, heavily addicted to um, sex and getting validation from other men. Um, you know, it morphed into other areas just because my self worth was so low, and I was constantly reaching for these next things. So even up until I'm 39 now, even up until about 32. I was doing everything under the sun. I did, you know, once I kind of got my food under control, uh, you know, I ended up swinging the other way and I ended up gaining a ton of weight for my, for my size. Um, and I was considered obese for my size or my height. And I was petrified of, um, being starving again. So I would look at myself and even though I was heavier, I still correlated that with if I felt any inkling of hunger, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm anorexic again. Mm-hmm. So I would continue to eat. And so that was the, the whole other extreme of that. And then once I started getting to a place of, okay, you know, I, I'm ready to, to lose some weight. I'm ready to get healthy again. I still took it to the extreme. So I did, I competed um, in triathlons. I was on an elite cycling team. I did fitness shows. Um, I still was dieting. I was, you know, still trying to reach for like, you know, Adkins and South Beach and Fit Life. I don't know some some other book, and so that that really carried on for a long time. And it really wasn't until I went into treatment for the very last time at 32, and it was an all women's facility, and I was, it's highly recommended. I was there for three months. And actually four months, and um, it changed my life. I, I just got to a point where I was like, okay, enough is enough. I have to get well. I have to be healthy and, you know, live my life the way it's supposed to be lived. And then I, I can't continue to, you know, engage in the food obsession or constantly looking for all these external fixes to make me happy or whether it be food or men or alcohol or, um, you know, fitness shows or, you know, triathlons, all those sort of things. So I, I had to do a lot of internal reflection and, um, so that, you know, I worked through my abuse stuff. I worked through, I was actually married to a, uh, sociopath who, 
Um, he lied to me our entire marriage and I think he was going to murder me, but I don't know for sure. Mm. So that was a whole crazy thing. And, uh, I had, that's actually when I went into treatment for the last time and that at 32, he, uh, we were married for, uh, two years. We were together for five and the entire marriage was a lie. I met him in Paris, France, and he married me to get his visa. He was Canadian. And he was doing all these crazy things. And it's a long story, but everything crumbled. And I found out he's living this double life and he's trying to take a life insurance policy out on me and claim that I was like suicidal. And he it was really crazy. So that happened in 2010. And then I went to treatment thereafter one last time at that place I told you about. And then that I really, again, worked through that, worked through the trauma with my grandfather from the sexual abuse and from from my ex-husband and really just worked from the inside out and it was transformational so Mm. um yeah that is amazing and thank you for sharing all of that and there's so many things to say first of all i know that you say that which i really resonate with this and fully believe in this because i have a mirrored story because I went through, you know, I wasn't bulimic in my 20s. I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in my teens. And then mm-hmm. when I went to college, it shifted to drugs and alcohol. Interesting. And yeah. the same thing and dating and all of that. And I was like, well, I'm good with my food stuff. Like I just, yes, but I didn't right? even realize that I was going to this other stuff. So I partied like crazy all throughout college and even a little bit after college. And then once I kind of, once I got sick of that, I went back into my bulimia in my early 20s. And it wasn't until and this is what I really want people to realize that you cannot heal your relationship with food or, you know, your desire to drink or do drugs or have sex or whatever, unless there is some sort of spiritual component. Oh, 100%. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, uh, and it's kind of interesting. Um, for a while, there's a uh, I had a lot of fear in God per se, and I had fear around, um, you know, what does religion look like? I was brought up in a uh, a very uh, conservative family. Um, you know, we're from considered in the Bible Belt here in South Georgia, and um, so there's a lot of confusion around that, and I felt like there's a lot of rules and regulations, and um, over time when I was working through a lot of this, I remember just, just praying a ton and asking for help and for guidance. And, um, as time has gone on and I've, I've gotten a little bit older, there's much more of a spiritual component to this versus just like, okay, this is religious and I have Mm -hmm. to go to church and I have to go by all these rules and it feels very regulated versus, you know, I'm a, a true believer in, um, meditation and breath work and, just really how the universe works, how God works, whatever you believe, I do find that to be very important, especially just from like a a peace perspective and a perspective of knowing that, okay, everything is okay. You're already enough. It's, it's okay. And really just trying to be present in the moment and just having that gratitude and really just embracing life and really in turn realizing that this life really isn't centered around me. It's about helping others and having that passion to help others and taking my story and flipping it, like you said in the very beginning. And um, so to me, my passion is 
I feel like, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is I, I feel like I'm here to help. And it's interesting. I still go through some struggles sometimes. I'm going through some health issues. And I do think that is correlated from my eating disorder stuff in the past. Yeah. And, you know, I, I pray a lot about it because I, and again, sure you can relate to this, where you go through these certain struggles and it's like, it's it's as though, you know, God, the universe, he's using you as a portal yes. to work through this stuff. And it's like, okay, even though it's super hard right now, what is going on? What's this about? And in turn, how can I help others with it? Because for me, when I go through these times, the only way I feel like I'm healing too is a figuring out what's going on with me and, and getting proper help and also teaching it to others because that's very empowering in and of itself. And I, I truly believe with the universe and how everything works, it's, it's all abundance. It's all a full circle. And when we take the focus off ourselves and being so obsessive and, and controlling and closed minded and narrow minded with our way of thinking, I really feel doors start to open up more. And, and like I spoke about just the whole gratitude piece and really being grateful for what we have and what we've been given. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. And I was getting chills as you were talking because there's been so many moments in my life that have been so dark, mm -hmm. full of depression and anxiety. And like I was in a black hole, like I literally mm -hmm. could not, and I'm sure you can relate to that as well. And it makes me very emotional to mm -hmm. think of what I'm able to do now and how much, you know, we have transformed as people, which mm -hmm. I really do have, uh, you know, gratitude for what I've been through because mm -hmm. now we are able to give that to others and to guide them through a simple, through a journey that is very difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. food is an extremely difficult thing it's a very easy thing to struggle with. It's something that mm -hmm. is easily accessible. We have to eat all the time. And so I just love what you said about the universe and abundance and God. I fully believe in that because it wasn't until I got out of my head and realized that there's like this whole big world and like outer space. Like right, it's crazy right. to me every time I th I'm like, <laughs> we're so tiny, <laughs> like well, know, insanely small. So it wasn't until I realized that, that there's like this whole other energy out there and this mm -hmm. other outside stuff that's something else that we can turn to instead of turning to all of these things and turning to the something else is feels much better. It's more sustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it, it needs to, it's something you have to be willing to do. And sometimes you do have to be in that dark place. Like things have to get so shitty and you mm -hmm. have to get sick. For me, it was like, I have to get sick of my own bullshit Yes. Before yep. I can even go there. And granted, you know, like you, I went through a similar, um, similar stuff, difficult upbringing. And for a long time, I blamed, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm, the outside, yeah. like, oh, it's because of them that I'm like this. Mm -hmm. So whatever can happen, you know, it's not our fault what happens to us, but our own healing is our responsibility. Mm -hmm, and that's 100%. something that's something that you really portray and talk about. And I think that when we talk about food obsession, uh, I think that, or I don't think that it's talked about enough, how many of the reasons that people are obsessed with food is physiological Yes, from mm -hmm. deprivation. Uh, yes. I don't know if you're familiar with Janine Roth yeah, and her work. I love, her. I love mm -hmm. her. So she has something where she's like, there's a fourth law of physics that for the degree to which you restrict is the degree to which you will binge later. 
Mm-hmm. And yes. um, I don't think that it's talked about like that people are craving sugar all day because they're eating sugar and it's just mm-hmm. the body responding to that. The body wants to binge because mm-hmm. it is deprived of nutrients. So is that something that you see with yourself and when with your clients? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Such a great question. I love that. And one thing, uh, Ashley, is that I, I want to piggyback off of that is some of the clients that I work with, and especially I went through the same thing, so I can really resonate, um, especially with you talking about the whole Janine Roth thing, is that you're right. I feel like it's one is, is physiological and the other one is psychological because I actually have a client that I'm working with, and um, about two weeks ago, um, she was in a major state of restriction. And so um, she called me and she's like, Kim, I can't stop crying. She's like, I don't know what is wrong with me. I think it's my hormones. I think it's this. I said, actually, you know what? I think it's amazing you're crying. I said, because here's the problem. I think there's so much fear around the refeeding process because when we start to refeed and re-nourish our body, our brains start working more cognitively. Yes. We feel a bit more. So there's a lot of things that come up in line with eating again. So you have the emotion beside that. And so I think it gets very scary for women. Um, I know we're talking about specifically more women here, but, um, you know, it's scary because as you're refeeding and you're starting to eat again, you have all these things come up that you've either suppressed from not eating or binging and purging or just, you know, long, long uh, years of just suppressing your emotions. And so a lot of stuff comes up and sometimes it feels so overwhelming. You don't really know what to do with it. So, um, you know, I, I love teaching a lot about just, um, you know, distress tolerance about when yes. that does happen, where um, it's okay to sit with it for a moment and that that feeling will pass because it is like a, a wave of emotion, right? So it it does reach its its peak and you feel very out of control and it feels very catastrophic and then it comes back down again. But for a lot of my, my clients, they don't know how to regulate that because it feels very unfamiliar because they've been very stale, very flat, very non-emotional. And so and their hormones are probably dysregulated. And so they just really don't have much going on in their head. And so I, you know, I, I, a lot of my stuff is about, okay, when this stuff is coming up, instead of feeling very overwhelmed and scared about it, let's work through that. So either, you know, they sit with that for a moment or they will use some other coping skills. Like sometimes it might mean where it's so overwhelming, you have to go for a drive or you have to walk your dog, or maybe you have to run sprints outside just to take the edge off or whatever it may be. Working through some of those things is very important, especially kind of during that refeeding process. And um, does that, yes, I go in there? Okay. no, 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 that's totally right. And I know you talk about, um, well, two things. First of all, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to realize that we, I think for people who struggle with food, food is mm-hmm. such an easy thing to turn to that yes. if they, are feeling something and it, you know, cause you start to feel like that rumbling come, you yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, here mm-hmm. it comes like those emotions. Da, da, da. And instead of, it could be a whole lifetime. I know that for me, mm-hmm. I went through a whole lifetime up until my twenties where I never let myself feel anything. It's like, Oh, it's mm-hmm. coming. Gotta go eat. Yep. Gotta go, yes. gotta yes. go do whatever. It's like, yes. Nope, I can't handle it. And I didn't let myself go there because I didn't think I could handle it. And yes. then once you can realize that you can withstand whatever mm-hmm. feeling comes up by just mm-hmm. going into it, which is freaking terrifying at the it beginning, is. like you feel like yes. you're going to die yes. sometimes. Um, but I think that that 
gives you the confidence to be like, hmm, I, I handled that without reaching mm-hmm. for food or mm-hmm. alcohol or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. I can handle other stuff too. And So true. And, and you talk about, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, Brene Brown talks about leaning into the discomfort and yes. you do have to, especially in the beginning, you have to lean into it versus avoid it because when you continue to avoid it time and time again, all it does is build and it builds this residual where it's like feels when you finally do sit with it, it feels so overwhelming because there's so much coming up, but you're right. The more you can just try and sit with it and, and, and allow yourself to go through that feeling, you realize, okay, it's not that bad. It's okay. I work through it. And then you start building that resilience that, okay, yeah, I got through that. I got through that. And that's when I think it's very important to start developing other healthy coping skills. So you build that foundation because a lot of times what happens too is women will, you know, they, they, all this stuff comes up and all they've known is either, okay, well, let me exercise it out or let me purge it out or let me restrict it out or whatever it may be. And they don't have that foundation of healthier coping skills. So their brain instantaneously goes back to what, what what was familiar. So it's all about reprogramming and instead saying, okay, what are some tools you can work with now? So that way, when those feelings come up again, your brain can go back and say, okay, you know what? I did sit with it. I was okay. Or I did, you know, pet my dog and I was able to get through the emotion or, you know, so when you start building those, you start building more resilience and you have more confidence. So absolutely. And an author that I really love is Susan David. She wrote a book called Mm -hmm. Emotional Agility, which is amazing. She basically, it's so good. She talks about like in this, um, the state of the world that we're in now, it's all about like only positive thoughts, which Mm -hmm. I think it's great to be positive, but it's, if we don't address the inevitable negative emotions that come Mm -hmm. up. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just not realistic to be positive all the time. And then I think people get mad, get mad at themselves for feeling sad or angry. But Susan David has a quote in that book where she says, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. So it's so good. And I think that you and I are testaments to this, even though we have healed our food stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have kind of gotten to the other side, it doesn't mean that we're not uncomfortable sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think so many times people think it's a state of arrival and it's really not. It's a constant evolving process. Mm -hmm. And just when you think you're like, okay, I've got this. Then sometimes something else is thrown at and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I need to work through that again. Or yeah, it's a constant it's a constant process. And I think especially some of my clients are like, well, I just want to get to that point. I just want to get to that point. I'm like, you know what? The only way you're going to get to any point is by you focusing on this point right now, because you want to project and you want to hurry up and jump to, to, to see without going through a and B and you have to go through it in order to get to the other side. You can't, there's no workarounds because it always comes back around again. Yeah. And it's going to be a life. I think that that's something that I thought I'm like, oh, if I meditate enough, if I exercise Mm -hmm. enough, if I eat clean enough, then I'm going to get to like this enlightened state where I just am happy all the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy most of the time, but there Mm -hmm. definitely are moments still that are never going to go away that I feel those things. And something that Mm -hmm. I love that you talk about that you talked about in your presentation at Elevate was this concept of the opposite action, which Mm -hmm. you kind of Mm -hmm. talked about already. But that's a great tool that people can use. So if you could elaborate on that. 
Absolutely. Right. So um, the whole opposite action piece is literally doing the exact opposite of what your brain wants to do. So, for example, let's say that uh, you have a client that is accustomed to um, binging and purging. So anytime emotions come up for her, she feels very overwhelmed. So she'll go and binge on food and then go and purge it in the toilet. So, of course, those feelings completely feel elevated, especially after, let's say, a binge, because she cannot release it through the purge mechanism. So whether she sits with it or whether she does, again, it's doing the exact opposite of what you want to do. So that urge in your brain is so pronounced, especially when it's become a redundant behavior, that you have the thought then you want you have the emotion and then you want to act out the behavior. So even though we know the behavior is no longer effective for us, it's much easier to go down that road because that road's already paved out for us, even though it feels uncomfortable. And even though we hate it, we still do that because we're afraid to take the other path and, you know, cut down all the branches and open up the trenches and create a new path. So with the opposite action piece is is first, yeah, okay, allowing yourself to sit in the discomfort, but also when your brain has that craving to act out in a behavior that you know is no longer effective for you, you have to do something opposite. And it is so hard and it so sucks, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Cause you yeah. just you it's like it's like you throw a temper tantrum because yeah. you're like, No, this is what I want to do, this is what I do, and it's like you're so mad, especially if you engage in a behavior and you can't get rid of it per se. So um, one thing I highly suggest, and again, super hard in the beginning, is do the exact opposite. So that way there's a sense of a repercussion. So let's say again that you binge and instead of purging, you have to sit with it. So then your body and your brain is like, okay, well this sucks because I don't have an outlet now. I have to kind of pay the repercussion for what I did and I actually have to sit with this and it feels super uncomfortable. And so Um, you know, next time you might say, well, I'm not going to binge because I'm probably, I'm not going to allow myself to purge or, you know, it's again, when you have that, that urge to want to binge, you instead call a friend, go for a walk, do the exact opposite of what you want to do. Because then over time, that biofeedback in your brain, it doesn't have that connection of, of, because again, when you constantly fall back into the, the pattern of using these negative coping skills or these negative behaviors, your brain attaches to those. So if you can pull one of those links out of that cycle by stopping and saying, nope, I'm not going down that road, your brain's like, whoa, wait, what are you doing? And so it creates this disconnect, which is essentially what you want because you're removing one of the, the, the chains from that cycle. And so then by you starting to do some of these opposite action things, it's not, um, it doesn't have this obsessive control over your brain. So yeah, that's when I encourage my clients to do the exact opposite of what they want to do. And it sucks and it's uncomfortable, but it is so worth it in the long run. And the more they practice, the easier it becomes. A hundred percent. And it does suck, especially Mm -hmm. because like you said, something that was powerful, you said we've paved the way already, like literally a pathway was cemented into our brains where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's easier to eat. And Mm -hmm. because that's Mm -hmm. a habit. And it is so hard to, you know, come home from a really long day that sucked uh, to eat like a piece of chocolate or chocolate cake, when instead of going on a walk or something. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I find that it, it, I try to tell people too that like, just do it for five minutes and see what happens. It's like, the hardest part is just deciding to do it. Yes, that's the hardest. 
It really is. Well, it's just like conditioning yourself to go exercise, for instance. So a lot of my clients, again, they don't like to exercise, but, you know, 50% of it is just getting yourself there. And then, you know, then you can, you can take it from there. And one thing, one thing too, Ashley, that I've really been um, focusing a ton on is, um, especially for women who are struggling with the food obsession stuff is a lot about our gut health and mm. how we choose to eat. Yes. Because um, when you talk about the cravings and the desires for these chocolates and these foods and so forth, I notice a lot of my clients from the, the physiological standpoint of the body, like you spoke about earlier, when they are not getting nutrients, when they're not getting essential fats or hormone um, healthy type foods, the cravings are astronomical and um, it affects your gut health and and I've actually um, seen a lot of my clients deal with, um, you know, candida or um, just a lot of bacteria overgrowth. And so there's a ton of cravings there. And so I feel like that the, the brain and gut connection is so prevalent and they're so connected. So I've noticed a ton and especially with myself as well is that when my gut is off, like my brain's off. So Mm -hmm. there can be a a big disconnect with that. And I'm sure you can relate with that too, especially with you being, you know, in the nutrition side and how important it is to have a healthy gut and, and all of that. Oh my God. I mean, I lived basically until I was like 26 or 27 going pooping like once a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, mm-hmm. and you saw that picture of me that I posted yes. um, earlier this week or last week. Uh, I was constipated all the time and I was eating wow. whatever I, like literally my whole life mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, and I accepted that as my destiny. I'm like, well, I'm right. just somebody who goes to the bathroom once a week, even though like that's super uncomfortable, <laughs> like oh yeah, crazy uncomfortable, but When I was 26, 27, I'm 32 now, um, I found the Whole30 and Paleo. And Mm -hmm. once I did like a dedicated, I think for people who are maybe depressed, anxious, brain fog, constipated, you know, having Mm -hmm. like diarrhea all the time, I think Mm -hmm. that an elimination diet can be amazing for Mm -hmm. healing. Um, I really believe in that. Some people are like, well, why would Mm -hmm. you ever do a Whole30? You're crazy. But I think that for a temporary time period, it can be Mm -hmm. extremely beneficial. And now for the past five years, it's like, if I don't go every day, it's like, I'm in a bad mood. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It's like, there's something off. So I'm so passionate about getting people to to do that. I find for me, it's dairy and -hmm. gluten. I know those are like hot words right now. Like, oh, you're on a gluten dairy free diet, you know, but it's actually real. So I encourage people Mm -hmm. to... Uh, try that. And I'll put the whole 30 information in the show notes. Um, And I want to say too, that once we begin to heal, it's not something that happens with the gut stuff, with the mental stuff. It's not something that happens with as a light switch. It's not like you go like, whoop, and now I'm just changed. So, and, and I'm sure you see that in your clients as well. So can you talk a little bit about like, how this stuff can take time and how we have to be present through the whole process. Because if we go slower and sustainably, it's much mm-hmm. more likely to to stick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, across the board, whether if you're looking at people that have some type of like autoimmune dysfunction and again, their gut might be off, it's not like this one switch. It's like, yes, I've got this. And, and, you know, whether if it's someone that's struggling with an eating disorder where they feel like that they're have their food under control or yes, I've got this, you know, it's, there's so many components and that there's, I think the way society has taught us that it's this one instantaneous fix, like it's this quick fix and that's, what's going to do it. And so I think that's why so many people are constantly 
constantly reaching for this next thing. Whereas this stuff, regardless what type of food stuff you're going through, it takes a ton of time and it takes a lot of body intuition and it takes Mm -hmm. a ton of patience because you can, you know, again, if you have gut issues, it's going to take a minute for you to figure out, okay, well, what, what am I intolerant to and how am I feeling and how's this food making me feel? Or, you know, if you're having eating disorder issues, okay, well, you know, I know I need to eat and I'm trying to tap into my hunger or again, fat loss things like you kind of spoke about where, okay, I have to be a little hungry and a little uncomfortable. Am I okay to do that? And so again, there's so many components to it. There's not this one magical fix. And so that's why I really look at the body as a whole. And when people... Um, and, and this is one thing I'm, I'm kind of against, especially with the fitness industry, where so many times you have these 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 bodybuilders or these women that are like super shredded and jacked, which is fine. But, you know, they, they're always talking about their six packs and stuff. But but they have you know, they don't ever talk about what's on the other side of that. And so they're you know, they're they're always giving the cookie cutter diets to their clients. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, we're all uniquely individual. We all have our unique genetic makeup. And so what does that look like? Maybe Maybe that means that, okay, for one person, they tend to be, um, you know, more anxious. So they need to focus more on, you know, stress relieving symptoms such as, you know, meditation or getting more sleep or doing more walks to reduce their cortisol levels for fat loss. Or, you know, for another client, it might be eating more nourishing foods for their gut, like bone broth and healthier fats. And, you know, so there's, again, it's, it's all connected. So it's, you know, your, the, the spiritual aspect the stress management aspect, the, the proper nutrition, the, the healthy exercise, the laughter and the joy oh, and the yeah. play that we need. I feel so like we important. miss out so much on that. Oh, and especially as we get older, we have to have that. Like we have to play, we have to have fun. And laughter is such a huge release of serotonin. And you, and you know, that's another piece of the opposite action. Like if someone for instance, if one of my clients is feeling really sad and depressed, I'm like, okay, let's get you out of that space. So you know what I want you to do? I want you to do something opposite. And I want you to go and watch a really funny YouTube video. Um, so just to kind of get you out of that space. So again, it's not one thing. And this takes a lot of time. And the patients and the clients that I've seen that succeeded the most are the ones that have been consistent, the ones that have we've had to kind of pivot and adjust. And it's not this, this, you know, clear cut lateral line where everything is fine and everything's great. You know, you have those moments. So again, it's about altering what feels best for the client and really focusing as a whole, not just I just need to focus on nutrition because I'm sure you have clients that are like, I just need to lose five pounds. I just want to do that. And it's like, okay, I get that. However, I know you're so obsessed with your nutrition piece, but where are you at stress wise? Where are you at sleep wise? And why are you so obsessed with these five pounds? And I, I say this all the time. It's very easy for us to get caught up in our bodies because we don't want to deal with something else. So mm-hmm. there might be a situation where we're not getting along with our husband or we don't want to have these difficult conversations. So it's much easier to focus on, well, I have a little bit more fat on my butt or, you know, whatever it may be. So again, like what we've said earlier in the talk is it's just, it's an evolving process and you have to look at all aspects. It's not just the nutrition. It's not just the sleep. You know, again, there's so many components to it. There's so many components. And I have many people that come to me that are like, well, let's just lose 20 pounds and then I'll deal with this stuff. I'm like, you cannot, that you're already starting off on the wrong foot. Like if you do that, then that 20 pounds is going to come back. Mm-hmm. and more maybe. Yep. 
So I fully agree with everything you just said. It's like, first, let's have you sleeping. Then let's have Mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, regulate your stress, then Mm -hmm. have some play in your life. And then we can worry about nutrition. Then we Mm -hmm. can worry about the exercise. So Mm -hmm. it's like, and I think too, that consistency will always beat intensity. So instead of people thinking that they only have to eat uh, chicken breast and steamed asparagus Mm -hmm. forever, like that might get you there, but that's a very intense um, way to live (laughs) forever. But if you add in those things that will satisfy you, even though Mm -hmm. it goes a bit slower, Mm -hmm. it might take you a little more time, but then you'll be able to be happy throughout the process and you'll be able to keep your results. Absolutely. 100%. And you're right. The results do come a little slower, but you have to enjoy how you eat. You have to enjoy how you live. And if you're living off asparagus and steamed chicken and you're miserable, you're not going to sustain that. No, nor are you going to be able to keep that up. And then, yeah, and then you're going to end up back at square one again, and you're going to reach for something else and something else. And, and I think people think that you have to like white knuckle your way through life and it has to be so hard to be healthy. And it, really doesn't. But I feel like there's just a lot of missing tools and misinformation that people are gathering through the internet. And so I love what you're doing with your, your prepping like a pro because you're really fine tuning and hitting on all the simple things people can do. So yes. And, and that is more sustainable in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. so something mm-hmm. that I'm sure you see as a coach, as somebody who's really into fitness is, you know, people wanting to change their bodies. That's what mm-hmm. we've kind of been talking about. I know you do a lot of programming for strength training and you're a big advocate for strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something going on now with the whole body positive movement, which I am a fan of, but mm-hmm. I think that there's something going on there where, we are being looked down upon for wanting to change our bodies, for wanting mm-hmm. to maybe lose fat, you know, mm-hmm. to gain muscle. So mm-hmm. how do you frame it to your clients, um, you know, so that they can maintain a really healthy and awesome relationship with food, but then mm-hmm. that it's also okay to, uh, you know, keep it a little bit tighter sometimes, mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. dialed in while still mm-hmm. maintaining that healthy relationship with food and that hunger and stuff that we were talking about. Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, it, it, it frustrates me a little bit because, again, this is my opinion, but I'll look at some of these people online that are talking all about this body positivity and they're like, you can eat 10 donuts and yeah. allow yourself to have whatever. And it's like, yeah. well, actually, no, that's not really that healthy either. So yeah, um, yeah there is this movement towards body positivity. However, you also want to look good and you want to feel good. And if you don't, you're kind of lying to yourself. So I, I feel like there, you know, I think some people think, especially when, um, if they go to a coach that might be more, not as like rigid, or jacked, they think, oh gosh, well, they're not going to, they're not going to give me a plan that's going to help me lose weight or whatever. And so that's when I kind of go back to my whole middle path mindset piece where it doesn't have to be one way or the other. It's not like I have to be super restrictive and super hardcore, or I have to eat all these donuts and be body positive. It's like, you can have a combination of both. And it's that whole gray area. And you're right. Sometimes, okay, you're getting ready for a beach trip and you want to feel better. So it's like, all right, how can I kind of double down on my nutrition a little bit more or, you know, or maybe it's winter time and you, you know, you, you're going to a bunch of parties and you know that you're going to eat a little bit more, but you're like, okay, that's okay. You know, I'll get back to it or whatever. So I, I do think there is a, a, 
a line in the sand where it's not like you have to be so rigid one way or the other. Um, so when it comes to just the, the fat loss piece and to tighten up a bit, I think it's totally normal. And so it's not like it's like, okay, you have to completely deprive yourself because we've talked about before. When you do that, you're more likely to binge, but where you're in a slight deficit where yes, you might be a little bit hungry and yes, it might be a little uncomfortable, but just where you're in that slight deficit where you are dropping a little bit of fat, where you are seeing some more, you know, substantial changes. And again, it's not like it has to be that way all the time. And I think that's where there's a lot of issues that happen, especially with women that talk about their fitness shows and whatnot, Mm. because they will, they'll post all these pictures of them being super lean and shredded. And it's like, well, hello, you can't sustain that. So you also have to be honest with yourself of, okay, can you be okay with being a six versus a four and white knuckling your way through it, but to, to try and be that four. Okay. Maybe you want to be on the slimmer side of a six or a slimmer side of a, you know, a 10, if that's the, the weight that you feel comfortable at, but it's not like you have to rein it in and be super hardcore all the time. I think so much of it too is about that self-compassion. Yeah. And again, back to that body intuitiveness, because there's going to be sometimes where your body just wants to heal and it just wants, you know, relaxation. It just wants nourishing foods and to go for long walks. And then other times there's going to be times where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I feel good. I want to push it a little bit more. And again, I think that goes back to, that whole body awareness. And I think that's one piece that a lot of us are missing because we're constantly looking for those external things to, to validate what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just okay to say that it's okay to want to lose fat. Yes, like absolutely. It's, it's totally okay to want to feel more comfortable in your body mm-hmm. because it's a real thing. Like we walk around in our bodies 24 mm-hmm. seven, like we live right. in them. So And by default, a healthy body just looks good. Yes. So it's like you could even just focus on health Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, get to a place where you feel comfortable. But like you said, there are times when maybe you just want to dial in your nutrition a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, to prepare for something. And that is fully Mm -hmm. okay to want to look good and to feel comfortable. So I really believe in like this middle of, you know, not being super intense, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. not completely going off the other end because yeah, I follow those accounts and it's like, just eat cake 24 seven. I'm like, you're not, you're going to feel like shit if you do that and you're you're not going to poop. So, right. Exactly. And that's not going to make you feel, I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's sloppy and that's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's not responsible because you're still not fully loving your body if you're doing that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And, and something that mm -hmm. the girls gone, Molly Galbraith says from the girls gone strong Mm -hmm. is that you can love your body and still want to change it. Like those are two things that you can do. Yes. 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 Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And one thing too, is that, you know, you can't hate yourself into, to being lean. You really can't. If you're trying to force yourself into, you know, you know, doing the calorie restriction and getting to a certain size at the same time, you're talking bad about yourself. That's not going to be sustainable either. So I think a lot of it, what you spoke about is instead of trying to change a million things at one time, just focus on one thing. Okay. What's that one thing you're going to focus on right now? Maybe that is getting a little bit more protein and cutting back on your processed foods or again, solely more based on the individual. But I think it it can, it has its ups and flows in the middle. It doesn't have to be so rigid in one way. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll help some of my clients through the, some of the fat loss process if they want to tighten up a bit, or again, if they, um, you know, want to push it a little bit more in the gym, we can do that. So, yeah. So, so yeah, all of that is great. And I know that you are big into strength training, uh, mm-hmm. which, and I know you came from like a cardio background too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of women are scared of strength training. And when I see you work out, I'm like, it just looks so fun. And I do some of your (laughs) workouts too, and they are super hard, but then you feel great afterwards. So Mm -hmm. why are you a an advocate for strength training and the specific way in which you do it, which is, you know, not necessarily um, just, you know, you're moving the whole time and having fun. Mm -hmm. So why does that process work for you? Yeah, great question. So I think because of my, uh, my disordered eating for so long, there's something to be said for feeling strong. So Mm -hmm. even though when I was running all the time, and I was doing all these things, like, there's still that sense of I would finish my run. And yes, I would feel that runner's high. But there's something different to be said for just feeling super strong when you are having a bad day or when you're feeling unempowered where you can go in the gym and you can lift that weight and you can just crush it and think, yes, you know what? I've got this. I am strong. So I think there's something empowering to lifting weights. Now, um, do I suggest doing it all the time? No. And that's a whole thing too, is I think, you know, the, the whole fitness industry gets so caught up and you can only do strength training. You can't do cardio yes. or, you know, Oh, you, you know, cardio is bad for you. And it's like, no, it's not. It helps with depression and it helps with lean muscle mass. And so again, I feel like this goes back to that whole, like, you know, middle path gray area of finding what works for you. And then also you can have both. It doesn't like how you don't have to you know, put yourself in this rigid box. Um, but yeah, so with my, with my workouts, I love it because yes, you are constantly moving and you're getting your heart rate up. And the thing I really enjoy about my workouts is that you're moving in a way that's kind of ideal in everyday life. So you're not necessarily standing there just doing bicep curls. You're essentially moving and using all parts of your body. So I love more of like the functional training, the training Mm -hmm. where again, a lot of push, a lot of pull, a lot of squat, a lot of hinge, a lot of those things that honestly burn a lot of calories in a short period of time. And they also are effective outside of here. So, you know, you think about squatting, you're squatting down to pick stuff up outside. You're talking about pulling, pulling something off the shelf. So, you know, a lot of those moves are very important, you know, especially outside of the gym. So, um, that's, I I love those workouts. And again, I, I try to make sure uh, my clients get the biggest bang for their buck. So they're moving in a way where they're burning a lot and they're using all muscle groups in a shorter period of time. Yeah, and, and like you said, they're fun, you're moving and you don't have to spend hours in the gym, right? You could, it could be right. less than an hour and that's totally mm-hmm. fine. And mm-hmm. I know too, you're a big advocate of walking, which mm-hmm. I'm I obsessed. I walk every yeah. single day. If I don't, like I didn't walk yeah. yesterday and I was like, Oh God, Probably. I missed my walk. <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally. So why do you love walking so much? And do you recommend that to your clients too? Yes. So I love walking. Now, do I consider walking exercise? Yes and no. Like I feel like there's actually been a ton of research done by, um, he's a top cardiologist for, um, Harvard university for Harvard. He went to Harvard and he has his, you know, PhD and he's very smart. And I follow a lot of his stuff and even just listening to other podcasts and they talk about one of the healthiest ways is to, instead of going to the gym and crushing a really hard workout for 20 minutes and sitting all day, it's where you're moving kind of throughout the day. So you go through walk 
walks periodically throughout the day. You think about our ancestors, they are constantly moving. So, you know, daily movement is essential for our health. And I love walks, especially after a hard workout, because it reduces your cortisol, it mm-hmm. brings your nervous system back down to a parasympathetic nervous uh, 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 system or parasympathetic state, where you're just more calm, and you're more even killed. And just there's something to be said, and even research has shown too to get outside, walk in nature, if you can handle the heat, or you know, if you can handle the whatever, but you know, just getting that vitamin D for the sunshine, and it helps your mood. And um, there's just something to be said for just walking, not feeling like you have to crush it, but just where you can walk and enjoy and be outside. And I love listening to podcasts. Um, I think it's a great time to do to do that as well. And then sometimes I'll just walk without anything on and just listen to the birds and use that as a, a mindfulness tactic to bring my awareness back to, okay, what's going on? What's around me? Because nature's amazing. I mean, it's constantly, you know, nature's in sync. All the animals know what to do. Mm, All the trees know what to do. And so it's just very interesting if you kind of get out of your head and you're walking and you just look at your surroundings and it's, it's quite fascinating to be in nature and see just how it all works and the, the synchronicity of it all. Yeah. And, and the area that you walk that I see on stories is beautiful. I mean, you're like in oh, the woods. Yeah. yeah it's, great. it's awesome. My dog. Yeah. She gets in the water. So yeah, that yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I can't live without my walks either. I know. I know. They put me in a bad, if I can't get it and I get in a bad mood, my husband's like, do you go for a walk? Today? I know. Same thing. Or like in the morning, <laughs> in the morning, if like I'm talking and I'm like getting like in a pissy mood or whatever, my fiance <laughs> yeah. is like, just go for it. Can you please just go on a walk? And then I come back exactly. and it's like, hallelujah. Like, okay, you I'm know? Great. I'm yeah. Great. It's like nothing was wrong. It's like you said, like I noticed the bird. It's just amazing. It's like, wow, so many beautiful things out there. Exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> so one last question um, sure. before we get into kind of the quick fire that I do at the end. I have a lot of women that listen to the show that maybe have been doing a whole 30 or mm-hmm. eating paleo. And there's a lot of information out there that says like, oh, if you just eat clean, then you'll mm-hmm. lose fat mm-hmm. without yeah. really like dialed in portions. Um, mm-hmm. So what are some tips for people uh, cause I think personally that there's a difference between eating for health and eating for fat loss. Yes. 100%. And I like yep. to combine the two. Um, mm-hmm. so what are some just quick tips that we can give people to kind of dial in their nutrition in terms of like mm-hmm. macronutrient ratios and stuff mm-hmm. or portion sizes, maybe starch portion sizes. Um, mm-hmm. if they do want to lose a little bit of fat, if they're already like good on the eating clean. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So um, again, like you said, I think there's this whole thing of this whole keto move or this paleo move where you can eat all this fat and lose weight. And it's actually, well, you know what? Not really because they're, you know, okay, sh- sure. If you want to nourish your body and to a certain extent, you're having some, again, autoimmune disease or whatever, where you need that type of food or what have you. But for fat loss, when you're eating a ton of fat day in, day out, like you're not going to really get the results you want. So typically, um, 
I liked, like you said, the whole macronutrient ratio where, okay, you don't need a ton of fat or you don't need a ton of carbohydrate. When my clients want more fat loss, I really have them hone in on um, hitting their protein needs every meal. Um, So making sure that they get, you know, quality protein, because that is a very satisfying nutrient. So whether that be, you know, some lean meats or, um, you know, salmon or chicken or eggs or what have you, and not overdoing it with the yolks, not having 10 yolks, but also having one yoke where you are somewhat satisfied where you're not living off egg whites because that'll make you binge so again i have them increase their their protein intake i make sure that they're getting enough um fibrous vegetables so um you know that vegetables have a lot of water content so you can be hungry i mean you can get pretty satisfied off a lot of vegetables um so that tends to work very well so i have them increase their veggie intake and then i also have them again make sure they get adequate fat but not to the point where they're dousing everything and tons of butter and coconut oil and all of that, but to where they're getting enough where they feel satisfied, like, you know, you know, a little bit of avocado or a sprinkle of cheese or um, some olives or what have you. And then, you know, yeah, again, if I feel like personally, um, if you are moving and you're active, I feel like you can get a bit uh, away a bit more with some of your carbohydrate intake. But I also feel like if you are looking for fat loss efforts, you essentially kind of have to earn your carbs. And I hate to even say it like that, Mm -hmm. but you know, you have to kind of earn them. So if you are active and you're running around, then you can be a bit more flexible with getting more carbohydrates. But if you're sedentary all day and you're not moving a ton, you know, you can't really eat a ton of carbs. It's going to affect your insulin and your blood sugar levels and stuff. So I feel like essentially if you want fat loss, focus on the the fibrous vegetables, the lean proteins, um, some of the healthy fats, but not overdoing that. And then, you know, getting your starches in just for satisfaction, but also being mindful of that, of, okay, did I exercise today? Did I move in a way that was not just walking per se? Did Mm. I earn these carbohydrates? And if you do have the carbs, we know not, you know, overdoing it with all the processed stuff, because that's just going to make us want it even more. Exactly. And they're hyper palatable and it's very easy to yes. eat a lot of them. So I always try to suggest too, to, for, to have like whole food starches, mm-hmm. um, sweet potatoes. What are some of your favorites? Yeah. I love sweet potato, mm-hmm. uh, butternut squash, even mm-hmm. like after hard strength workout, I love white rice. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so it's like one ingredient foods, mm-hmm. you know, those are all, yep. those are all good. And I love me some carbs, <laughs> especially oh, Japanese yeah. sweet potatoes. Those oh, are amazing. Gosh, those are Have like you tried candy. those? They're so yes. good. I'm obsessed uh, with and, them. Oh, you know what? But I've noticed like you can't microwave those things. You have no. to put those in the oven. Yeah, they're so dense. You have to, oh, and starchy. So good. Oh, so, so, so good. good. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're wrapping up now. And mm-hmm. I always try to ask people, I'm a huge reader. And mm-hmm. I always have a bunch of books that I'm reading at the same time. Probably not the best tactic, but same. Um, <laughs> I'm same like, you should see my nightstand right now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the the books that have had the biggest impact on you? Yeah, so I would definitely say um, Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection. Mm-hmm. That's been a really good one. Um, there's also, oh gosh, um, Jen, S-I-N-E-R-O. Uh, I think oh, it's yeah. like How to Be a Badass. I like yes. that one. Yep. Um, I'm currently reading one now. Uh, it's called The Plant Paradox. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, yes, I um, have. That's, yeah, that's, so that's been pretty interesting. Um, and then I've also actually been reading a lot most recently on just the gut health. So um, there's one by Dr. 
Rusino, R-U-S-I-N-O. Um, it just talks a lot about gut health and the importance of that for just healthy hormones and mood and so forth. So I kind of, I'm kind of all over the place. So I read a bunch and then I read three chapters and then I find something else I want. I and know. so now you're telling me about that emotional, what was it? The emotional, emotional agility. And, oh yeah. So I've got it now. I'm going to go download that. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> the same way. At one time. Yep. I know. I know. Um, and something that I ask everybody it's a little bit of a morbid question, but it's mm. a way to find out like what you like with your food. So mm -hmm. if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Love it. Um, so I would say I, I love salmon. I love a really good piece of salmon um, with uh, some mashed potatoes, but preferably uh, the Japanese sweet potatoes yes. mashed with some with a bunch of ghee and salt and um, broccoli with garlic and then a big piece of decadent um, chocolate cake. Oh. I know that sounds like super healthy, but to me, that sounds amazing. Oh my God. I'm obsessed <laughs> with salmon. It's like me out of control. Too. My fiance is like, you should just start a blog for all of the salmon in Miami at the restaurants because he's yeah. like, that's all you order. He's like, I wonder what oh, you're going to order it. today. It's like salmon. Yeah. Right, right. I'm right. obsessed. What are your thoughts? Well, do you, and do you feel like it's it's absolutely necessary to get the the wild salmon, or are you a little bit more lenient with the um, farm raised? What are your thoughts on that? I'm a little bit more lenient um, because I personally like the taste of the farmed one better. Same, um, me too. It's mm -hmm. it's I don't really like the wild one. I make sure to yeah. get it at this fish market that's near my house, mm -hmm. um, where it's grown in or raised in Scotland. And it's like uh, yeah. a healthier mm -hmm. farming practice where like mm -hmm. they're, they care more about them. So like that mm -hmm. I'll do. That's something that, you know, that goes along with the taste and the preference too. Like, yeah, that one might be a mm -hmm. little bit healthier, but like if my whole diet is looking great overall, then right. it doesn't really matter to me if like I'm not having the white, sa the wild salmon and I like exactly. the other one better. Exactly. Right. And I think people get so caught up in the minutia yes. of, oh my gosh, well, you know, I had an RX bar over a quest bar and it's like, okay, well, if you've eaten everything else pretty well, like who cares? You know, yeah. it's, it's all about the food preference piece too. So I'm glad you said that about the wild salmon. Yeah. I, I've tried it and it, okay, it's good and it's bright and colorful, but it's also super dry. It at least is. For me it is. And it's so. fishier. It is. Yeah. The other is, one's yeah. like butter. So I'm like, whatever. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to have that. It's like fish luxury. Um, exactly. yeah. I never thought, thought I'd say those words, but <laughs> thank you so much oh my for gosh, being on the so show today. Uh, so sweet of you. I loved it. And it's actually Kim's birthday today. So I feel extra honored. <laughs> it is May 3rd. Um, but thank you so much again for being on, for being vulnerable, for telling your whole story. I know people are going to resonate with it. Tell us where, how people can work with you, where we can find you online and what you have going on right now, if anything. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, um, you, the, anyone can find me at, um, Kim Shaper, K-I-M-S-C-H-A-P-E-R, Kim Shaper, um, on, uh, Facebook. And then it's Kim Shaper Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. And my website is kimshaper.com. So typically if you kind of type in Kim Shaper, Kim Shaper Fitness, you can kind of find me anywhere. 
Um, for what I have going on right now, I'm usually just always in works with my, my continuity group. I love it. I have a hundred women in there and they're just like super fired up and they just, it's an amazing community. And I'm actually doing an eight week, um, summer slim down and probably in the next three weeks, two to three weeks, I'll be starting that. And so it's just a lot about accountability. And again, I know the term summer slim down. People are like, eh, but yet I also, again, like we talked about, some people want that and I want to respect that. And I also Mm -hmm think you can do it and still love your body. So we'll be starting that in the summer. And then um, I also have a I'm just I, you know, sometimes randomly, I just do these things when I'm like, Oh, I think my audience wants this. So I created five um, 60 to 90 minute workouts are a lot longer than what I typically do. But I've just provided those for my audience they are free. And it's just a weekend warrior workouts. And they can actually go to my direct link in my Instagram account. It's on my homepage. Um, so you can they can grab those again, they're free and um, there's video provided and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I have going on right now. Perfect. And you guys should definitely work with Kim because she is so knowledgeable and she knows all aspects of this journey. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes so people will be able to find the links for those. And thank you again for coming on. I had so much fun. Oh my gosh. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. You're amazing. Oh, you too, Kim. Thanks again. Sure. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.